2: A common name to know that if you said that, stay away from the ball. We got no Peters out there. Can we draft this guy? Right? Uh, So like Pete uh, was predisposed to never play. Pete him a (laughs) little elias in the NFL. As soon as his parents (laughs) named him Pete, it was over. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's Chris Sims, it's Paul Burmeister. It's the Chris Sims Unbutton podcast sponsored by Under Armour. Thank you, Under Armour. The only way is through. Bam. Okay. And yes, so I've had some pushback on the Peter thing too, right? Really? Little pushback. Had a friend kind of go, wait, you know, the other reason, all right, I've always heard there was no Peters on the football field. My friend was aware of that, but also like everyone wants to stay away from the Peter like you know the private part Peter as they call it in the NFL <laughs> locker room right so I had some pushback from some people that listen to that and I thought you know what I'm going to bring that up I didn't even think about it but it just came organically so there's a little more all right yeah, I know an NBC yeah. so glad I did it I did real football terms, right
3: there but yes I was thinking about the Pete thing not the Peter thing right right when I was driving home the other day, we had we had a Pete on our team, Pete Middleton. He had like a size nine head, which right. I remember the most. Right. But when the whole Peter 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 thing would happen, I'd walk up and I'm like, Pete, man, that's rough, man. Why do they got to use your name? For <laughs> right. That? Right. So yeah. So yeah. so
2: you had the rare Peter. I don't know if I ever had a Peter on any of my teams. One. Yeah. Just so one. you had one, and that was uh, college, right? So yeah. Iowa. Yeah. Right. And you know, so I think there's a little merit to both. You know, there's not Peters there, and then of course, yeah. You know usually you want to stay away from other people's Peters so there we I go mean, I, it's <laughs> only week
3: two I hope we can let this Peter thing ride for the entire 17 week season. Oh I'm
2: sure Pete will love that right he'll <laughs> love that but you know what it is today it's what the fuck happened Wednesday baby here we go so we got some plays to break down we'll use it to look forward uh, everything like that but I think we got a, a, a good core of plays to at least explain to what happened last week and some of the bigger plays throughout the NFL in week two.
3: It is so nice to, to to turn around and have that film right there i uh, know i can't wait No, know is. you're it's gonna awesome. be up there doing your yeah. thing so right. uh, yeah I'm, I'm psyched to have it back for the second week and I've, I've got the
2: list of the plays you like yeah got some notes good Ready to roll along with you? Great. We'll talk some ball, yeah. and we'll try to figure this out. Not to say I got the answers to all these things. You know, some teams coach things a little differently, but I think I got a pretty good feel uh, for, for what went wrong or what went right for some teams here in this situation, and uh, we'll talk some ball here. I saw you doing one of the plays with, with Drew Brees on Sunday, just yeah. kind of
3: like as a warm-up for right. when you were going to do it with me on
2: Wednesday. It's all – I mean, Football Night in America really takes a back seat to Chris Sims on I mean, that's kind of a big show, but not this. I mean, come on. You know, no, it's, but it is awesome break I feel weird breaking down plays with Drew Brees because so? I'm like this is Drew Brees. i got to let him break down the play. <laughs> but if I remember correctly, you
3: were kind of the one in charge of it, though, doing most I'm of it. I'm in charge.
2: Right? I try to be like Johnny Host guy and, you know, also, yeah, add my two cents. We, we know how we're going to kind of break it up and divvy Who it up. Who picks the play? You? Uh, what, you know, it's just one of those that jumped out to us. It was one of the bigger plays of the day. And, no, it's, it's kind of a group decision through, yeah. through the producers and directors of the Football Night in America.
3: And I know that the way yeah. we do this here is, like, you don't want the two of us to watch it and practice together too much. You want Definitely to just come out not. organically. When you're with Drew on
2: Sunday, same thing? Drew, so we, we got up there uh, before the show started, and they showed us the play. And I was like, I had already really seen it. He hadn't seen, like, the details of it. Of course, he watched it live. But I had seen the replay and knew, like, wait, I think it's this coverage, and this guy kind of did this, and... You know, the cool thing is, you know, he's sitting there and he's going, yeah, well, I, I think you're right. Like, oh my gosh yeah oh this is this is a lot of good points to talk about and you know I think he was like wow they got this play against this coverage they shouldn't have and and uh that's what's cool I mean it is fun watching football with Drew Brees he throws out a few things every week where I'm like yeah that's Drew Brees next level of shit right there
3: before we watch these plays and one more little thing about Under Armour I'm heading to Chicago this weekend to call the the Notre Dame Wisconsin game at Soldier Field on the radio yeah super fun gonna be awesome yeah Two Under Armour schools. And yeah. I believe that the chairman and founder, Kevin Plank, is coming by the booth. Makes Can sense. Gonna hang out a little bit. So I just wanted to toss that one extra thing in there. Yeah. With our Under
2: Armour. That's Reed. cool. Look at you, big time. You're I gonna know. interview Kevin Plank. Oh my gosh. Could be some
3: swag involved. Uh, you I mean, better be.
2: It's, it's, it's throw, you know, tell right the podcast. Go like, damn, I do this podcast. You're sponsoring. And Chris is Chris soon. Yeah. He'll be like, Bill? Yeah. Oh? <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's also thinking in Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Yeah. I don't know if this has
3: ever happened. Both of the big pregame shows are going to be there so wow game day is going to be there you know reese right and, and kirk and all those guys right. and lee and, and big noon sunday is going to be there too right
2: that's fo- that's. i i'm five. sorry
3: big noon saturday yeah it,
2: fox, the fox fox show. show right both going to be there wow yeah so they're going to be dueling it out yeah that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out in i'm going to have day. my eyes
3: tune in just for that right there i'm going to be ready walk into the stadium see yeah. where they are
2: Yeah. The proximity, cool thing the they thing. got going there. That series It was supposed it's to awesome. have a game in Lambeau last year, right? Yeah, that COVID been great. canceled it out. Yeah. So now they're at Soldier Field, and that'd be cool to watch too. Because the storyline, Jack Cohn was the co- quarterback of Wisconsin. Graham now he's Burtz. at Notre Dame. Yeah, and I hope he shoves it right up Wisconsin's butt. I'm just telling you, go Irish on this one.
3: He's been super cool about yeah. it all week, but right. you know he feels the exact same. Oh, way.
2: no doubt about it. No yeah. doubt. I'm sure he's from Long Island. Of course, he's got some edginess about him. Exactly. So, yeah. So all right, let's get going. NFL plays. Booya.
3: Why not start with Kyler Murray? Why not? The way he's playing. He's and, kind of good. Yeah, he's uh, he's been awesome these first couple of games. I'm going to set you up this way. I'm just yeah. going to kind of lay it out, cool. frame it, and you can take it from there. So, Arizona knocked off Minnesota. Awesome game. Yep. Field goal could have ended it late, but Definitely. did not. Kyler was 29 out of 36 for 400. Yeah. Crazy, oh. crazy numbers. Our first play, we've got two of them. Yeah. Second quarter. And Arizona trails 27 right now. Right. And it's a third down and 16.
2: Yeah. Kyler was amazing. Arizona, after watching that back, I mean, they were the better team on the field. Don't know if they should have won the football game with how it played out. Kyler Murray made two big mistakes in the football game. You know, the pick six he threw, and then he threw another interception when they were kind of in field goal range. Uh, I believe that was the third quarter or somewhere in that range, too. It might have been the second. I'm I'm losing. I've seen so many damn games at this point. I can't remember all the specifics. But, uh, yeah, my feeling after watching that film was, man, Arizona's better. Uh, They— straighten things out in the second half as far as stopping Dalvin Cook and getting on the right track there. But having said all that, Minnesota hung around and should have won the game. I mean, that's a chip shot field goal as far as we're concerned. So, all right, so let's get to the first play. Let's bring it up here, Kristen. I thought this was one of the more underrated plays of the game. Thank you. It's, yes. It's 20 to 7. It's 5:18 left and it's 3rd and 16, right? You know, hey, Minnesota at this point is just going, man, fine. Let them, let them throw the ball short and kick right? a field goal. I mean, converting
3: third and 16, what would be good at the end of the season? If, if you get it done 15%? I, I'd probably maybe. around there. Probably yeah.
2: around there. And I know you and I had the discussion about maybe two, three weeks ago. This is something that I, Kyle Murray's got to get better at. Right? Third downs, hanging in the pocket, making tight window throws. He has been one of the worst quarterbacks in third down the last two years. So let's just watch the play play out first off. You got – it's Tampa 2 coverage, all right, with a spy. Whoa, I don't know why it does that when I do that, but here we go. Tampa 2 coverage. Murray does a great job in the pocket. Boom, laser beam down the middle to Christian Kirk for a first down. I mean, that, that's great. All right, so I'm going to stand up and break this down a little bit. So we got our Tampa 2. As you see. And when I say it, whenever, for, for all those out there, Tampa 2, exactly what it is, if you don't know. I mean, it's cover two corners, right? They're kind of looking in the flat. Safeties are real wide. You're not going to be able to see them in this picture right here. Kendricks right here in the middle, Tampa 2. He's going to run down the middle and protect the middle of the field. These two linebackers right here, nickelbacks, whatever, they're in dime here. They're going to read the eyes of the, ba- of the quarterback. That's really all they're going to do. So you have that. You got to see the three-man rush here, and then they got one guy to sit here and spy the road runner. Yeah, you got to spy him because he's so freakish that on third and sixteen, if you let him break free, he he could go get a first down. Now, what I love here, you know, th- this is a play that I got a lot of familiarity with through John Gr- Gruden because I played in Tampa. They played a defense called Tampa Two when I got there, <laughs> right? And it was a pain in the butt, and he had to co- co- find different ways to stress the zone. And one of the ways is you're not going to get go-routes or anything like that with people this far down. They're protecting big plays, though, especially this middle linebacker, Kendricks down the middle of the field. One of the weak spots is like, yeah, getting a really fast receiver on a linebacker, and he just outruns them to the post route, right? But hard to think you're going to get that with him basically 11 yards off the ball. So what they do is basically get to a three-on-two fast break here. And... As you'll see, and I'll play it here in a second, this is Christian Kirk. He's going to run down the middle and threaten. Let me make a better line there. Okay, he's going to run down the middle and really threaten Kendricks to think, hey, I'm going down for the post. You better start running. And he's going to curl up. You got Hopkins here. Same type of thing. He's going to get close to the first down, curl up. And then I believe this is A.J. Green here in the slot, the middle of the three. He's going to do the same thing. Now, as I explained already, right, you got Kendricks who's going to be out of there. So now he's over the top, and what you end up basically having is a three-on-two fast break. And you just want to make these two wrong. Three-on-two, how can I make them wrong? You know, the general census, what I would say here, and the coaching point would be stare this guy down, stare him down, and make one of these guys make a move to get underneath it, And then whoever makes that move, you throw to that receiver to where he is. If they don't move and they stay wide, the guy you're staring down, then you just throw the laser and hit him for the first down. All right? So, as you see, it just plays out exactly like that. You know, and we're not going to see the total top of the route here, but you see the rush. Kyler Murray does a great job staying in the pocket. And boom, there it is. Now, great throw, tight window, but I think he played it perfectly And as you see, you know, this nickelback, he collapsed, but he never collapsed enough before the throw was made to make Kyler Murray go here to A.J. Green, right? Nick Vigil, the other guy that was underneath, you see Hopkins, he's down here. He kind of stayed there as well. So there was no spot down there, but Kyler Murray made the proper throw and, you know, didn't anticipate, wait, these guys are going to jump just because he, he let it play out. He didn't make up his mind before the throw. And I just thought... You know, this led to a touchdown, and I thought it was one of the more underrated plays of the football game, especially because of like what we talked about with Kyler Murray, third down, right. you're down 20-7. to seven. They really, Zimmer's probably like, let's just give him a field goal, and that's, we'll be good, 20-10, to 10. I'm happy with that. And instead it's 2014, and you know, here we go, here comes the shootout.
3: I think the Kyler Murray difference really shows up here. Number one, great job pointing out that he hung in the pocket. We've been yeah. talking about that, right. not only to start the season, but the last couple of seasons, one thing he needs to get better at. And if you watch him in there, let it play. He he has to pat the ball and kind of hang in the pocket. A hard thing to do. It is. Wait, wait, wait. Then right. throw. Right. So that I think that was really good. Also watching the, the Minnesota defense because they had to spy. Okay. Yeah. The, the, and Kyler didn't go side to side. They basically eliminated that defender. That defender didn't make one single difference and because 100%. they felt like they had to leave him in. He couldn't drop back and give them the numerical
2: advantage. Exactly right. It's a great point by you, and it's a point that's really he, him, Lamar. I mean, really, it's, it's those a short two. list. It's a short list of guys where you have to worry on third and sixteen about spying a quarterback. Yeah, and you're right. Normally with this. You know, we would call this P-Tampa 2, like a P-dropper. Normally with this, and you don't have a scrambling quarterback, this guy who's here, if they decided to rush three, would be back here more. So now you're scared to throw over him. That's too risky. And now these two guys that we talked about, you can't see Nick Vigil at this point. He's over here. And the other nickelback who's over here, they don't have to worry about converging over the middle at all. Mm. But because of the spy aspect that you're bringing up, he's still able to throw over this guy because he's not really worried it's about pass defense. He's just watching Kyler Murray. So that one, yeah, like we said, great play. Good job, Kyler Murray. Uh, Cardinals offense is a lot of fun to watch. Let's go. You want to go to the next one?
3: Yeah, next play. I, I think that was more the quarterback's play. I yeah. love that one. This right. is more the highlight uh, somehow a guy got wide open, and yes. Kyler proved he's the best athlete on the field once again.
2: Yeah, let's, so let's play it out and just watch what happens here. And I mean, it's basically, this is a three-by-one, all verticals. You know, all go special, we would call this, in the West Coast offense. You know, other offense, yeah, it's, so it, it's really, and, and ultimately it's just boom, 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 right? That's all it is, and then the back comes down, and he can check down either way, depending on where they call it. So, that's what it is. That's the play in general. And now you're going to see. Here we go. Kyler Murray. Oh, free rusher. Doesn't matter. That's nope. the first amazing thing <laughs> as we watch the play go by. And then, wait, how does Rondell Moore get wide open yeah. 45 yards down the field uh, who's you know already proving to be one of the most explosive players in all of football at the wide receiver position? And, yeah, of course, he's going – super crazy here. I love this. He loves that Christian Kirk blocks this final guy. Look how excited nice, he gets. Yeah. Like he's like, "You the man. Great block. <laughs> I did awesome on fantasy and I got a touchdown cuz you got a block. Thank you. Thank you." So, let's break this down. Ta- let's break this down a little bit here. First thing is, it's just a five-man pressure. You know, in the perfect world, you'd like Arizona to be able to pick this up and not have anybody free, right? But this this guy right here which I don't know why he does this. Maybe they have some rule that I'm not aware of. He leaves a defensive end to go get Kendricks. Now, maybe they have that rule in Arizona because they go, we'd rather have Kyler be free in a defensive end over the linebacker because he can make him miss. I don't really know. But here's the main point of the play more than anything. One, that was awesome. Of course, he avoids it. That buys him time, makes the cover. The, the guys in the back end have to cover that much longer. But Minnesota's playing cover three here. This is a zone coverage, right? And really what they're doing is, like, curl flat guy here. He's reading the middle. He's going to look for, at first, like maybe a weak side slant or anything. But if that doesn't happen, he knows in this formation a lot of the time somebody's going to cross the field over here. So he, Harrison Smith, is kind of going to look that up. Safety's just going to play eyes. And he, of course, has to be worried about this guy if he gets up too fast, because he might not be able to catch up or actually make the play. So he's got a favorite. Now, the other part of this play is down here with Patrick Peterson. All right? Patrick Peterson used to play on the Arizona Cardinals, so that's why this is also a big play on, like, highlight shows and everything. But Peterson here playing this cover three. He is playing cover three, but they want him to basically – you see how he's lined up in between both of these guys here? He's in between both of them. Right, because they want him to midpoint those two guys. They want him to midpoint it. What, so basically, what does that mean? Midpoint. Midpoint him as they go up the field, right? He's like, yeah, he's by him. Okay, he's back. He's by him, but his eyes are inside. So in case you try to throw the ball here, he's going to be able to go boom and really make it hairy. So he's kind of like. Taking a, a one-on-two approach. So
3: th- this is that
2: matchup zone type principle that
3: you've talked about. It,
2: it is. It is a little bit. This is more of a little bit more of a pure zone. Some teams play cover three, and they a lot of teams do this. Expect their corners when they play the cover three to steal the seam wrap, hmm. right? Because they'll they'll go. You know, a lot of the times too. You know, yeah, you're not going to throw the ball as a quarterback like if you feel like, wait, this guy's right here. I don't know if I want to really throw it up, and I don't feel comfortable about lasering it in here because he's going to go here. And he scares you with the body presence, and you just go, man, I'm going to have to make like the perfect throw down the field there as well. And a lot of the teams who run this this route combination too sometimes will just run this guy on a comeback, right, like 15-yard comeback. To where, now, if they're playing zone, they don't want him to, like, stop and worry about that. And now nobody's on this guy going there. So that's one reason to do it. And this corner here, or this nickelback, he's going to get underneath any comeback, curl flat, something, something of that nature if that route does occur. So as they go here, I think the first thing that jumps out to me, more, more than anything, okay, is I don't think 24 should have let Rondell Moore... Go inside, okay? I think here he should, he should probably, he's inside for a reason here, right? And as we go here, like, I think he should try to push him out because that slows him down, and now that helps him out. But as you can see here, Peterson's just trying to go down the field and play both with body presence a little bit as we go, okay? Now, I'm going to keep letting it play, and here's the problem with the play right there. I don't know if you see it. 23. Well, I mean, that and watch what Peterson does as he breaks the pocket. He kind of breaks the golden rule of like, wait, don't take the underneath cheese here. You got you to gotta protect your third, right? You got to protect your third. And as he gets back, he just disregards this guy completely. And now just goes, wait, this is DeAndre Hopkins. Let me go match him, Right. And Hopkins is running some sort of comeback or go route or whatever. And look at Hopkins right now. He's going, like, throw to the back. Look, he's open. Look, he's pointing to him. He's like, look at the back. Because I think he realizes this guy has gotten way too deep. That's there. But all in all, the point of the play is Patrick Peterson should have never turned to the sideline like that. He should just be continuing to go this way like this if he decides – DeAndre Hopkins decides to stop and stay here, this guy will go make the play. Or if he does throw to him, so what? Now you're going to stop and try to rally and make a tackle, and these guys are all going to come and help you pursue, right? Hey, sometimes the the offense has a good play against your coverage. You just want to limit, like, the touchdown or the 70-yard play, and that's where it all goes hairy for them. So now he's matched up man-to-man, right, and – I mean, he's totally voided Rondell Moore down the field.
3: It was almost like he did that expecting 23 to stay in the middle of the
2: field. I, I, I think there is some of that as well. I do. You, you know, I think one of the coach, and I think that's a great point by you. I do think the coaching point that Mike Zimmer will probably make at some point would go, hey, like, hey, I, I you're right to favor this guy a little bit because it's a little scary. But once you see Harrison Smith is kind of in a decent position, you need to kind of like – Flip your hips and get back over here to help Patrick Peterson if it is that 2 on one we're talking about.
3: And he's in a zone, so when you're in a zone, you should be seeing the quarterback.
2: Uh, no no and, doubt.
3: He sprints out the other way. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: no doubt. Now he's, he's trying to make a play or, or make a break on a guy who's really fast, and he knows if he doesn't give him respect, this guy's got the type of arm that can make that throw. You know, the 23 does not realize Murray has broken the pocket here as well. So it's 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 there's a few guys that didn't do their job quite properly or quite the right way here that lead it to just the easiest touchdown passes of the year for Kyler Murray. Right, right. And you know, at this point here, I mean, just way too long. Like, stop. Where are you going? The guy, he's there. <laughs> Like it's a zone. It's been passed off. Now stay back. Get back to yours part of the zone. Yeah, you're not responsible for that part of the zone. And that would be the same thing I would tell Patrick Peterson. You know, that's a tough one too. It is the Andre Hopkins. You're seeing the guy scramble, but you gotta like at sometimes just like let your you know check your ego at the door, for lack of a better way to say it or whatever, and go. Damn, I just got to get back and protect. I got to give Hopkins maybe the 15 yard completion, and then hope, and then hope that you know, my rest of my defenders can get over here and rally towards him. But that ended up being so easy, 30-yard yeah. throw in the air, nobody basically in the screen, and then you it's... see the Vikings are in Scroodsville.
3: Yeah, Kyler Murray accounts for over 400 yards total offense, right. four touchdowns. Uh, thinking about his numbers, uh, Pete and Kristen, let's take a look at, at what he's done. It's only two weeks, but this is phenomenal. He's up over 70%. He's over 10 yards per attempt. Uh, I mean, bravo, A-plus for what he's done first couple of weeks. Third week takes into to Jacksonville. Before we move on to the next play, right. what kind of chance do you get? The Jaguars to slowing this thing down.
2: Not, not a whole lot. No, I don't. I mean, Jacksonville's got some talent and some team speed on the defensive side of the ball. You know, we might not see Kyler be able to run around like the roadrunner and make a ton of awesome plays, but – You know, Jacksonville, there's plays to be had there right now against their defense. There's no doubt about that. Whether it was last week, you know, once Denver got a feel for the game, they started to take some shots down the field. You know, I mean, really, Arizona's a very talented football team. If they play it the right way, a lot of defenses should have a hard time defending them. And then one thing I would say just with there, don't, don't be afraid to run the ball a little bit more. You know, that that would be another thing because Chase Edmonds is phenomenal, and I know we talked last week, their O-line is pretty good too. So you can get in sets like that, you know, on first and second down – and, and don't be afraid to run the ball or throw a screen to the running back and of that nature. He is he is a Amazing. really – him and 2-4 and four are game breakers.
3: So, Callum Murray has the Cardinals 2-0. and Derek Carr has the Raiders at 2-0. and Let's cue up really not only the key play of that game, but one of the signature plays of the entire weekend. Yeah. So, at this point in the fourth quarter in Pittsburgh, it's 16-14 Raiders. They're facing third down and 10, and the Steelers are going to come up with a blitz.
2: Yeah, and it's 16-14, right? Like yeah. We said, 16-14, yeah, 16-14. 16-14. Yeah. 14, right, we got Blitzburg coming to town here, so let's let it play and just like just admire it first here. You know, you see, first off, I mean, Pittsburgh with all these people in the line of scrimmage. This is what you always got to worry about with Pittsburgh. And really, Derek Carr, he played very conservative early in the game because I can picture Johnny Gruden going, "Hey, hey, it's Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, let's play it safe early. Let's not hold the ball too long and let T.J. Watt get a strip sack fumble. <laughs> so Aaron being safe early, okay?" But as the game went on, I mean, Derek Carr started to strike from everywhere, all right? So, you see all the guys at the line of scrimmage. Ultimately, let's see, why does it do that every time I – so, all right, here we go. Got it. They bring a five-man pressure. It's man-to-man coverage. And what a great freaking throw by Derek Carr. I mean, great throw. Perfect. Yeah. You know, I don't know, 60 yards in the air. I mean, on the money. Henry Ruggs just getting better and better. How can you not be, you know, excited about that? Uh, as, a, as a Raiders fan but you see here right it's one there's one rusher there's two rushers there's three rushers there's four rushers I know it looks like this guy's rushing he's not he's covering the back and if the back just ran out he's gonna go with him if he sees the back block or do something like that then he might come and add on. they call it a late add-on an add-on a green dog whatever there's a lot of different phrases in the NFL but ultimately, what we do have is one rusher, two rusher, three rusher, four rusher. And then, I believe this is Trey Norwood, the rookie out of Oklahoma, who's been impressive. He's going to come out as a nickel blitzer. Everything else is man-free coverage, right? Single safety, man-free. It is, it is 25 on rugs. It's going to be, um, uh, what the heck is 34? Ed, Edmonds. He's going to be on Hunter Renfro. Terrell Edmonds. That's one of the three Edmonds. And then I, I can't remember who this is here. I think this is Brian Edwards. He's going to be matched by 20 here. Okay. All right. So it's, the, it's, it's that across the board. There we and go. There's,
3: point out the free safety who's. And, and then this is Minka
2: Fitzpatrick, yep. who's the free safety, who's responsible just for the deep middle. That's what he's responsible for. And the most important thing about this play here is we got Darren Waller up top. Right. He's matched up as well. Man to man. Darren Waller's. In a class of, like, I mean, John Gruden made the comment last week. He's the best player I've ever coached. And he was, he was targeted that way in
3: game one. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, yeah, but I think he was like
2: 19 or 20 most targets. Most of the time, right? he, was, he was the right. guy. He's yeah. a go-to guy. And there, there's no, he's a mismatch. He can run like a wide receiver, and he's as tall as a left tackle. So it's hard for anybody in football to match up with him. And so because of this, and now I'm just going to let it play just a little farther. All right. So you can see here, here's Edmonds. He's eyeing down Renfro. You know, we got 20, uh, 20 is, uh, is that Sutton on Edwards, right? All right, so you got him man-to-man here. But the point of the play, all right, is this right here. We talked about Minka should be deep, deep middle. Well, he's trying to cheat it a little bit. And if you can, if you notice here, just watching this a little bit, like his eyes, so he's got the body presence in the middle of the field, But I'm guessing they told him to help on Darren Waller in case he runs some sort of post or in-cut or anything like that. Or he's just being a football player and going, damn, Darren Waller's the go-to guy. Let me just help my guy out. But as you can see here, instead of being down here deep in the middle, he's cheated, he's looking at the quarterback, and he's going to try to help out his DB up here in case there's an in-breaking route from Darren Waller. I would say 90 – if they call this play 100 times during the year, right, Derek Carr is going to throw to Hunter Renfro right here. And he's open. He's wide open. And it's third and 10. It's third and 10. You know, he's probably still going to get the first down. He's going to have to make this guy come and make a tackle. or It's going to be fourth and one or something of that nature. But I got to think as the game went on and they were – on the sidelines looking at their Microsoft tablet and going through things, they realize in certain sets that the single safety who's supposed to be playing the deep middle was cheating Cheating. at Darren Waller a lot, especially in these type of formations where he's the single guy on one side and then there's three receivers on the other. I mean, usually when you get this type of look, you think, oh, they're trying to single up Waller so he can just beat a guy man-to-man and make a play here and we won't be able to cover him. But – that's where Derek Carr has gone next level, you know I don 't know whether it's Gruden tells him or if they just both figured it out on the sideline to say like, hey, when they next time we get this, minka's eyeing down darren waller you you might be able to throw a route that you're not even supposed to throw versus this coverage. I mean, as you see, here goes rugs to the post. if minka Fitzpatrick's here in a normal week, he's here you're never even thinking about this that's like a uh, no way, all right? But they, like I said, must have known Minka was cheating a little bit all day long. Derek Carr, you know, sees he's got enough protection here. And then the fact that Norwood blitzed from a little bit of depth and got caught in the trash, he's got enough time to kind of wait it out and see a little bit. And now, as we let it play, you can see that Minka knows he's in trouble. I mean, he knows it. Right now, he's going, oh no, oh no, they called the deep post. And I'm cheating. And, I mean, you could see right here. He tries to – I give him a lot of credit. He yeah. tried to pass interference him and tackle him before the ball got there. Yeah. And then you could see his reaction just laying face on the ground because he's going, "Ah, oh, shit, they got stayed me. Stayed there for a while, yeah. They got me. Take it back to yeah. the
3: point where, where Derek lets it go, and we can see that Fitzpatrick realizes he's got chase. Okay, right. stop right there. Yeah. Okay, so picture this like a center fielder in baseball. Like, bat – you know, ball comes off the bat, you're like, oh, shit. I've got to chase back to the yes, running track. Right. So you chase for twenty yards, and then if he would have looked back, because he caught up. Yeah. If he would have looked back. Yeah. He could have got a hand up to knock it down. Maybe. He right? Maybe Maybe could have. Watch him. Yes. Okay. So watch him sprint. Got to get there. Got to get there. Turn around now. Because I think, it been I close. think he could have got. Could have
2: been close. No, there's there's no doubt. And you it's
3: know, uh, it's an also I think credit to Carr for placing the ball. Over like a little bit outside over, that far hash because oh, yes. I think he's expecting a post to, to be, be in the middle, middle of the field
2: exactly. But when you get to this, the golden rule for quarterbacks and where they mess up a lot with this route is they end up throwing the ball down yes. the middle, and now the now the receiver can't readjust yeah. and he's How trying to get a does ball. does that happen? A it lot. Happens all. And
3: as a righty, when you throw it that way deep,
2: the it ball tails falls to the, the right. Way. Exactly. Yeah. So the thing that like my dad and I talk about this all the time. You know, I know I've heard Josh McDaniels. On these ones, throw it across the field. He's really fucking fast. Right. Let him go get the fucking ball and run away from the defender.
3: He got to the point where he thought the ball was going. Yes. But it's five yards more to the other side. And the just fact
2: that it's over here. So well-placed, yes. Made it really a difference in the play. And the other thing with DBs, too, this day and age, too. They're taught so many times, like, not even to look up for the ball anymore. I know. Play the defender. Because, you know, the, the old adage is when you look back, you slow down. Yeah. So, now they're telling you, hey, just play the receiver. And as soon as he starts to put his hands up or try to time it and knock it out. But either way, it's a phenomenal throw. Uh, they caught Minka Fitzpatrick, who's one of the best safeties in the game. Like, Which hands is why down. I
3: think he's a guy who could pull it off,
2: sprint, around. right. Round. right. That's why they put a lot on his table. This, exactly. is, why, this is where at times you, know, I, you argue against analytics and things and go, yeah, okay, Minka Fitzpatrick is going to be a negative grade and everything, but there's not a lot of safeties in football that will be asked to, like, hey, cheat right. on this guy, but also play the deep middle of the football field. Right. And that's where he is special. If, if right. Carr would
3: have put it where the post normally goes, he would have cheated and got away with it because he sprinted to the spot. He got to the point where he, he did. thought the ball was going. He did,
2: right. Carr, the fact he that almost he throws got away the with opposite it. hash. Right. Really ends up saving the play all the way. And Kara is on fire right now. He really is. He's seen the field. Amazing and he's making a lot of big-time plays, and the the Raiders' offense is rolling.
3: As long as you say that, let's take a look at the numbers. You can see exactly yeah. what Derek Carr has been up to. It's been terrific, and he's up close to 70%. You mentioned conservative early. He's been that way in the past, but he's pushing the ball downfield with a lot more success, right. which is fun to see. Uh, he's, he's, I guess, questionable a little bit this week with that ankle. We'll have Mike Ryan on a little later to talk about uh, that injury um, as we hope he'll be out there this weekend. So, this weekend, it is against Miami. Interesting defense to go up against the 2 0 Raiders. And I want to point out they've been yeah. extremely pass heavy, almost 2 to 1 pass yeah. to run right. for Vegas right now.
2: Well, I don't, you know, it's a new group out on the O line, right? So, it's a new group. I, you know, they're probably not greased up and oiled up the way they want to be in the run game. Josh Jacobs is hurt. You know, they played this freaking Steelers and the Ravens. So there's a lot of big, bad mofos in there to where you just go, man, running the ball is going to be tough. And I think ultimately the biggest thing is Gruden's best player and the guy he trusts the most is the quarterback, number four. And he just goes, I got a nine zillion plays to throw the ball four, five, six, seven yards at a time. Mm -hmm. We'll pick them apart. And when we start to feel like they're getting a little up on us and close on us and trying to tighten, you know, the coverage to the line of scrimmage, you know, Gruden's great with like four or five, like, shot plays every week to where you go, oh, man, if we, that's, a, that's smart. I like that play. I mean, if we get the coverage, we're going to get a big play. He's amazing at that. And I think that's what they've done. They've kind of just picked their spots to when, hey, now let's take a shot. We're going to be real consistent. We'll be surgical. We're going to keep the ball. Our defense isn't that great. So we'll do it that way. And then we'll pick our times, Derek Carr, to be aggressive. Don't you be aggressive on your own. Like, we'll pick it. And I think that's a big reason why they're 2-0.
3: Okay, we do love us some quarterback play here with we do. the film. Okay, we're going to get back to it. But how about some running back? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. If you could watch one running back this
2: week, who would it be? Ooh, I mean, it's 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 big boy Derrick Henry or, or Dalvin Cook. But I love watching me some Derrick Henry. Tennessee beat Seattle 33-30 in
3: overtime. Let's get back to the film here. Fourth quarter, Seattle up 30-16, looking good for the Seahawks until yeah this play right here
2: yeah well i mean the, the second half and really late into the second quarter into the second half tennessee started kind of dominating the football game you know seahawks got one touchdown in the second half and it was just off a total blown coverage from the tennessee titans tennessee titans think about it i don't know pete you can tell me but the, the tennessee titans offense had 538 yards total in this Gi- game Giant right number. giant yeah. number all right and now Like, Derrick Henry, the Tennessee Titans, they're kind of famous for inside-outside zone, you know? Let's push the edge. If we get the edge, you can turn the corner. But if teams over-pursue, man, you're Derrick Henry. Find a cutback lane, put your foot in the ground, and smash it up in there. And, of course, he can smash it up in there and drive a pile. Or he gets through a hole, and he's got the speed to be a game-breaker, right? Right. No, he's already had one touchdown on a cutback run. His first touchdown rush of the game, I think it was about 18, 20 yards out. They were going in the other direction, and it wasn't a design cutback. He ran outside zone to the right. He kind of got stuck. There was – literally like nine Seattle players over there by him, and then he put the brakes on and just outruns everybody to the left side. This play is going to be different. This is a called cutback. Again, I think it's another example of like some other plays we've shown here today where as the game went on, teams got a feel for how they were being played on the defensive side of the ball, and they said, wait, let's do this because when we get in this formation, they're doing this to us to take away this run. Let's throw the curveball here and give them something else to defend. All right, so here we go. The the basic point of this play is they want to run. You know, they're going to make it look like it's a weak side zone to the top side. You know, or maybe a weak side bubble run. But either way, they want you to think they're going to run right here and get you to go that way. All right. Now let's play it out and see how this goes here. Now they gave, I, 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 Oops, hold on. Let me do that again because when I press. Re, re, uh, rewind fast, it plays fast for some reason. But so now you're going to see I want, what I want you to see just right off the bat. Look at how Tannehill opens to the right and sticks the ball out to the right, right? So he's trying to get people to go that way. Brady does right? that a lot. Brady does that a lot because the New England has cutback zone. They do. They're a big team in that as well, right? It's a great way to keep teams from over pursuing on your bread and butter plays. So here we go. I'll just let it play out one time, but they're selling that zone to the top there's the cutback, boom, mm. and I mean, come on.
3: I think it's a wonderful example, Chris. Like, you think of Derrick Henry, look how giant he is. Right. Like, for the first couple of years in the league, I'm like, okay, really big, tough back, a three-yard gain going to turn it into a five-yard gain all the time. But you said cutback, and also the speed and the quickness, too. Quandre Diggs can fly. These are defensive backs he's making look like that. Yeah, I
2: mean, that's Marquise Flowers, or Trey Flowers, excuse me, at at corner. Makes a corner. Which is what Tennessee wants. They want to go, wait, the best running back in football against a cover corner, we would love that matchup any day of the week. So that plays into their favor. They got exactly what they want. And then Quandre Diggs, hey, Texas alum like me, there are not too many times people outrun Hmm. him to anything let alone a guy that's 245 pounds. All right, so let's break this down a little bit. I think there's some cool things to break down. All right, I'm going to stand up. There you go. You see here, I mean, first off, this is, this is, this is Seahawks football right now. They're, they're all or nothing on both sides of the ball. It's either a 70-yard touchdown pass by Russell Wilson or a three and out. It's either a long drive and they get gashed on defense or they cause a turnover and get the ball back. It's on one or the other. And I don't know. It's feast or famine. I don't know if they can survive this way. I really don't. But, you know, the one thing I always give them credit for is they go all in on something and go, we're going to stop this. And as you can see here, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine guys within four yards of the line of scrimmage, right? So they're obviously saying, we're going to stop the run. And Tennessee's going, well, fuck you, we like to run the ball, so we're going to run the ball no matter what sometimes. We're not going to go like, oh, there's too many guys in the box, we've got to check to a pass, or we've got to run an RPO here. Right? Like, no, no, that's what I love about Vrabel and some of the really good run teams in football. They find ways to run it no matter what. Now, we talked about, like, they want to make it look like they're going to run some sort of weak side stretch, right, over there. But what you're going to see here... And let me just replay this a little bit. Oh, okay. All right. This is post-motion. All right. So no problem. Here we go. But, okay, just a little farther back. Perfect. All right. So first thing I want to talk about here is, you know, this is Jamal Adams right here. He was like right here. You got to take my word for it. We could saw it on the TV copy. He comes up here to, of course, be an extra guy in the box and really stop anything in the D-gap, right? Here's the A-gap between the garden center, B-gap between the garden tackle, C-gap between the tackle and tight end, and now we get a D-gap between both tight ends. And then you got an E-gap out here, you know, between um, uh, A.J. Brown wearing number 11. A.J. Brown wearing 11, and Julio Jones on the field is still confusing You're throwing me, me. way off, yeah. I know, I keep seeing 11 and going, that's Julio, right? <laughs> and then going, no, that's A.J. Brown. Um, so, now... Here's the, here's the greatness of the play. Before the play, A.J. Brown was down here. All right? He comes down to motion to where you see him right here at the end of the line of scrimmage. A.J. Brown is a big physical man and one of the better run-blocking receivers in football, almost like a Jarvis Landry, where you can go, damn, he can get down there and be like tight end-ish sometimes with how strong he is. But ultimately, they get exactly what they want here they get a bunch of down blocks and down blocks and down blocks and down blocks. And then Bobby Wagner sees this and this guy sees this. So they all take a step that way. And Jamal Adams, who's really trying to shoot the gap and stop, whether it's the weak side zone or, Oh wait, I'm going to try to cut back now that I've seen the over pursue of the defense. He's going to be there to make that tackle. But because A.J. Brown, and there's an extra tight end on the play here. And it's really A.J. Brown, as you're going to see. He's there to do just that. They called this play knowing they were going to get some type of defense that is very similar to this right here. Now, I mean, if if Jamal Adams kind of stayed right here, A.J. Brown's probably going to go up to him there and try to shield him off. It was like a gift that they put him in the line of scrimmage. I mean, literally, I bet you Mike Vrabel and Todd Downing were like, "Oh my gosh, we might get exactly what we want. Here we go. This is going to be perfect." And then again, I, like I said, I think this play is called because they have a good idea at this point of the game, like this is how they're being defended. And now you see, like I said, it's blocked down everybody, but the key to the block, more than the key to the play more than anything, is AJ Brown getting a piece of Jamal Adams and keeping them in there. And then off of that, it's boom and right here. And now you're one-on-one, like I said earlier, with Trey Flowers. And just, that's not what Trey Flowers is paid to do. He's right. not paid to tackle this guy. I'm sorry. And it's, you know, if this happens ten times, he's going to miss the tackle seven out of ten times the whole year against a guy like Derrick Henry. Other running backs, okay, maybe some, something different. But there you go. Look at it. We got Bobby Wagner came up. A little too aggressive, right? He bit the, the action. You know, here's Bobby Wagner, just in case you don't see him right there. Okay. But he bit the action of the quarterback, so he's trying to go there. And all these other guys are really slanting almost weak side. So it plays out perfect. I mean, nobody can get – look at look at Tennessee's blockers. They're, all their backs are to us. They get all the guys shielded off. And now because A.J. Brown gets that, ta- that block right there – that's boom, and all he's got to do is make Trey Flowers miss, and bam, he does that, and like I said, this is just the amazing thing right here. Yeah. I mean, here he is coming downhill, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, he'll push him out of bounds, he'll push him out of bounds. What? What? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, he's gone, all right? And I wanted to show it all the way from the TV copy one more time just so we see it all happen, play, in live speed here, okay? Because you can see, look, here's A.J. Brown. He got motioned down specifically because Jamal Adams was here. And then, like I said, it was just great that he really got on the line of scrimmage and became static. So now he knows where he is and does that. But we'll watch it one more time on play, just some of the TV copy here. And uh, it's really impressive what the Tennessee Titans did there. Perfect play call, executed perfectly. And then you got a freak show to where. The guy just gets all the meat off the bone every time. Right. You know, There's other top running backs we can talk about in football where I just go, uh eh, they would have got pushed out of bounds at, You know, 10, yeah. 12 yards there. This guy is he's a meat eater.
3: You take it back one more time, yeah, uh, just as, as I watch that time and time again. Two yeah. things. You mentioned how Tannehill really sold the fake to one side. Right. Watch Henry with his hesitation and slow flow to really – Tell Sell the Seahawks. It. I'm going Look, that way too. Great
2: point. I left that out, and I should have said that. So, yeah, he turns his shoulders. He really, He's really a deliberate step yes. to go like, hey, everybody, I'm going this way.
3: And you see, with the initial, uh, yes. the initial pursuit from the Seahawks, they took one more step that way. Yes. Okay, so that was that was really good. And number two, we always give credit where credit is due to the quarterback for this term, anticipation. Yeah. I think Derrick Henry anticipated this second cut here. He saw it coming. So he gets out of the way there. He knew he was going to go that way. Yeah. And there's something about the vision and anticipation of a back. I, I was not a running back, so yeah. I'm just kind of guessing no. here. But, like, I watched that cut time and time again. It's like I think he knew he was doing that a half second before it came.
2: I, I probably. It's special vision yeah. by this guy. Yeah. I and mean, that's why he's, he is who he is. He never really misses holes. That's why they can run inside and outside zone. You know, inside outside zone, there is no hole. It's on the running back to find it. But when you have guys like him and Dalvin Cook who have incredible vision, yeah, they like pick the right hole nineteen out of twenty times, and that's why they're special. And
3: I've been watching Carolina close, and they've been getting uh, Christian McCaffrey twenty nine thirty touches a game. Yeah. He had forty
2: one touches. It's insane. Forty one. In insane. That game. Doesn't seem like he's slowing down either. That's the other thing. Right.
3: Little Under Armour here.
2: Yeah. Oh. Pfft. We got to. I mean, first off, I love that you're going to see the Under Armour, uh, the crew, and Kevin Plank at the game this weekend. So That's much really fun. cool. Yeah. 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 What a cool event for them, to have yeah. Notre Dame and Wisconsin. Definitely. And I just, I'm, hey, listen, Under Armour has been pretty amazing so far as a sponsor. I'm proud to have them. The only way is through, right? That's Which, right. like, I wanted to know about, like, why? What is the only way is through? I thought I have a like, a pretty good, like, clue on it, but here we go, because I think they've heard me talk about it, and they're like, we're going to explain it to this blonde idiot <laughs> from New Jersey jersey so he exactly gets it right they chose the motto because they're about hard work the dedication the cycle of training competing and recovering that that you need to really hit that next level and that's the truth I mean come on that's where I have a lot of respect like Brady Steph Curry they're that type of guys like they're just all year long every day I'm working I'm doing and it's about giving you advantages, not not through shortcuts and that's why it's the only way is through. And that's where it's really cool. Cool to have those two guys. I mean,
3: you yeah, think about armor. hard work and practice. I mean, Curry, Curry and Brady definitely
2: come to mind. Definitely
3: Had enough of the running backs? Mm, I mean, it was good. It was good. But
2: You want to get back to quarterbacks? But it is time to get back to the quarterbacks. <laughs> okay. Justin Herbert.
3: Yeah. Normally we'd be going to a positive play here. And this is one of his two interceptions. His second one, late third quarter, all tied at fourteen. Third and six on the nine. This is a fun one for me to see here too because yeah. I was driving home from the airport. Right. I was listening uh, to the Chargers home radio. Daniel Jeremiah, a good friend of mine, DJ. When this pick happened, he's like, "You know what? There was nobody around. I, I've got to go back and look at the film. I, I don't. I, I don't know what happened there. There right. was nobody there. Right. But Cowboys. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. There. There is a reason for it.
2: You know. And this is a play that I'm very really familiar. Joe Lombardi comes from Sean Payton. It's a West Coast offense. A lot of principles there this is double post we would call this and uh, it's towards the top of the screen here now it's the second week in a row we've seen in the red zone or fringe red zone Justin Herbert throw interception right you know they they were lucky still to win i don't want to say lucky but you know of course uh, one in washington in week 1 but here this is big it's a tight football game dallas is good and you're in you're in a dogfight they leave points on the board here so I'm just going to let the play play out. The, the the attention here is towards the top of the screen though. And specifically the guy at the very top who is Keenan Allen, right? And that's where he's going with this football. So hold on, stop going fast and here it goes. So, you see this? Look at Keenan Allen, he slips and falls, right? I don't even know, he might have like he might have clipped uh, clipped his feet on the nickel back. I think he really did. Jordan Lewis uh, right there, number yeah, 26, he did. right? But I'll let it go this time so we can see it all the way through. He falls down, interception, right? Okay. So there's a few things here to talk about. First thing is, like, hey, I like the play design. like a lot of things about it. I'm not sure this ball, if Keenan Allen stays up, I think it's still going to get picked. I think you're right. I mean, that's just, you know, that would be my, my first thing I would say. And why I say that, because, okay, I mean, it's double post. You see here he's made this cut. Now, this safety, all his eyes are on. You can see how tight this is, right? I mean, he's going to be here. Herbert's throwing the ball about right here. So the safety might get it, and then Vander Esch is here. He's underneath it. So I don't know. Either way, I think somebody's going to get their hands on the ball, maybe dropped interception, whatever. But because Keenan Allen falls down, it makes it really easy for DeMonte uh, De Kazee, I believe that's Kazi here that gets the interception, yes. right? Yep, number 18. Um, my point, first off, is like, hey, be careful. It's third and six. You always want to reserve the right to kick the field goal. Reserve the right to kick the field goal. And Herbert's got a really strong arm, and he can fit the ball into a lot of tight windows. And listen, I'm not – Herbert's way better than I ever was. I'm not trying to, like, play armchair quarterback here. You do. You get obsessed sometimes with going, wait, this is Keenan Allen. And the play is really for Keenan Allen, and he's been open the practice all week, and I want to throw to Keenan Allen because he's the man, and I trust him, and he'll do it. So I guess the first thing I would say more than anything is – like, as we go through here, and let me just stop, we're going to have this guy go through here, Keenan Allen, what we call wide departure post, all right, double post there, boom, he's like that. I think we got a corner route to get doubled, and then we got Mike Williams on the shallow cross. That's basically what we're looking at. The reading of the play is this, it's one to two to three on the shallow cross, and Maybe to four if you ever got there to your back out of the backfield, right? Once
3: your pre-snap read, let me tell you, it's a zone. There's not much room. There's a couple of safeties back there. It's pretty congested in there, even at pre-snap.
2: It is congested, but the play is drawn up in a lot of ways, either for like a three deep zone or quarters. Quarters is still like a play where you go, wait, we we can get this and do this, and especially once you see this safety as wide as he is right here. You can think, wait, we might be able to, if we can widen him out, right, with the way Keenan Allen's doing, and then that inside post goes here, we should have a spot to do this. Now, my first, I think the first thing I would say is just like, as we go along here, like, I, and, and let me just re- rewind it just a little bit. You know, my first thing is, you know, don't get off your first read too early. And not to say he definitely has them. He hits a little trash here. So that's probably why he got off of it. But I think as you see this play here, right, he, he kind of pops open. The safety's, The safety is kind of flat-footed. Maybe he could have hit him here. I don't know. It's really close. But either way, I have no problem with him not throwing that ball. Just don't throw that ball blind into that crowd right there. I don't know how that gets completed e- either way. Right. And I think ultimately on third and six here, you know, again, reserve the right to kick. What I would want, to, and I think what Joe Lombardi would probably say to him when it's all said and done is, like, hey, this is Mike Williams right here. He's really good, and he's big. Throw him the ball. There's a good chance he breaks this tackle and gets the first down, maybe scores the touchdown. But a big moment in the game, and, of course, how much did they lose by? Three points. Right. Right? So that's just one that jumped out to me. When I watched it live on TV, I thought, oh, man, he messed up. He had the middle post down the middle, hands down. No, it was a little dicey. I get it, but, you know, that's part of playing quarterback sometimes. You predetermine a little bit. Right. You think about your best player, Keenan Allen. He's a great route runner, and uh, that was a big moment in the football game for the Dallas Cowboy defense.
3: Let's take a peek at how the distribution has played out, only through two games for the Chargers. uh, But where they've been throwing the ball uh, – I'm sorry, this is just against the Cowboys. This happened this past Sunday. But look at how many of those passes uh, were were short, zero through nine yards – he was 21 out of 23. He didn't have double-digit throws uh, behind the line of scrimmage, medium or deep. It was a
2: short game there. Short game. It's the one thing that I'm not in love with with their offense so far. That's it. You know, again, like, you know, to, to have the – how many attempts did he have in that game? 41, I believe. Maybe it was right there. How many yards did he have total, Pete? Uh, hold on. I could I, – I got it right here. Hold on. Don't worry. I'll beat you to it. So, yeah, I mean, 41 attempts or 338 yards, of course, a good day. But I will say they got guys that can stretch the field. They got a lot of guys that can stretch the field. And he is one of the best throwers in all of football, period, period. So that's where I look at it. And then week one also. There's 47 attempts for 337 yards. I, I would like to see them stretch the field a little bit more. Stretching the field is only going to open the intermediate and short throws up, and especially when you got a quarterback like this. you, right. you got to take advantage of that. So that would be like my one coaching point for uh, the Chargers offense. They're doing really good. i do not trying to be a jerk, but it, it does jump out to me.
3: One-and-one one Chargers against the one-and-one one Chiefs this weekend. Thinking about Justin Herbert, where's your mind go? Uh,
2: I mean, hey. Like, they're protecting well. I've been disappointed with the Chiefs' D-line. They should be able to make some plays this week against the Kansas City Chiefs' defense. And the Kansas City will take some chances from time to time, too. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, I I think that's going to be a really exciting football game. And I would think Brandon Staley – as awesome as he is as a defensive mind, he'll have a few tricks up his sleeve for Mahomes and the, and the uh, Chiefs offense as well. I think it's close. I, I will say that.
3: Bill Belichick had some, some tricks up his sleeve for Zach Wilson. Always does. This past weekend. So uh, let's go to the Jets now. Zach threw four picks, 25-6. to six. Ugly, ugly loss, especially uh, offensively. The play we're going to focus on here first, first quarter. I think it's his first interception, about halfway through the first uh, we Will be picked off by J.C. Jackson. Yeah,
2: picked off by J.C. Jackson. Hey, it was a it was a tough game for the Jets. Zach Zach Wilson, really. Let me just say this: like, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm somewhat excited with the way the team looked. I know he really? made some mistakes. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But damn, he threw three picks, and it was still like 10 to three game or 13 to three. And how the they team weren't battled at it. In spite the team battled. Yeah. Even the way they look, I like. Man, the left guard Elijah Vera Tucker, he's a stud. He looks awesome. They had a little success running the ball with Ty Johnson throughout the day. There's still positives. You got a rookie fucking quarterback, and he's playing New England. He's going to make some mistakes. Don't everybody jump off the George Washington Bridge yet, all right? It's not time, okay? (laughs) And either way, I'm still into the look phase right now. How does it look? Right. Zach Wilson still physically looks really good. He just made some dumb mistakes in this football game. And, you know, here's one right off the bat that I go – Dumb, but I'm not going to totally put it on him either here. You know, there's, there's a few other issues as you kind of watch through this play. So, you see the play here. He's throwing down the middle. Corey Davis, you know, boom. J.C. Jackson is a freaking ball hawk. He's unreal. He might have the best belt ball skills in all of football mm. at the corner position. Wow. It's him or Xavier Howard. I mean, they just – they don't – or or Trayvon Diggs or Dallas. They can play the ball like wide receivers. So, Here's what I want to show more than anything. First off, we got protection issues, right? I mean, you can see the center's being beat right off the bat. Jawan Bentley, number eight down the middle. I'm going to stand up. I don't know why I'm sitting here. He's free runner. He's coming right at you. They're going Corey Davis, boom, all right, and then they're going to have an in-cut out here. Ultimately, and I'll just show this real quick, yeah, he'd like to throw the in-cut. Look. He's going to be open, but he doesn't have time to sit there and wait for it. He's got somebody in his face. The play he's going to throw down the middle, it, this is not a horrible decision versus this coverage. It's not. You know, they're running this here in case you got a split safety coverage, right, where now they – fake the post, like, you. oh, no, the guy, J.C. Jackson's worried, oh, he might run the post, and then he curls up, and you throw him the ball and hit it on him because the DB's back's usually turn. Single safety, J.C. Jackson's worried Corey Davis might run a deep crossing route. Look at all this space over here, right? And as you see here, as we replay it, like, you could tell right here, like, he's trying to go, oh, no, he's running the deep cross. Let me try to get in front of him, right? And then he looks back and he goes, wait, the ball's coming. And he does an unbelievable job. His reaction is terrific. is insane. Yeah, it's it's insane. So I just want to get back a little farther. So right here, right, and we're going to go just a little bit more. As he's getting ready to throw, he's loading up here. You can see he's loading up. J. C. Jackson's not looking at Zach Wilson right now. He's going fine, no problem. I throw a t- quarterback's throw balls to receivers who are covered but the DB isn't looking all the time right. in every game, yes. right? Yeah. You don't worry about it. He can't see the ball. I'm going to put it in a spot where my receiver who does see the ball is going to go get it. J.C. Jackson does do an amazing job, like we talked about, of getting his hands back on it. I mean, that's unreal. I mean, he's running this way, worried about the cross, and goes, uh, and reaches out and taps it in the air. Yeah. That's special, and that's why Bill Belichick's going to have to pay him $20 million a year after the year's over. <laughs> and the other thing I would say is this, and this is another part where – Again, like, let's not go crazy on the rookie quarterback. Yeah, he's got people bearing down in his face, so he had to throw the ball before he wanted to. And what, what are receivers taught to do at peewee level when the ball's thrown to you? Come back to it. Come back to the freaking ball. Don't stand there like a statue. Corey Davis is a really good player, so, like, I'm not trying to, like, totally kill him or anything here. Like, he, he usually does all these things. But, like, gets knocked a little bit and then just plants his feet in the ground, as you can see. Like, doesn't make any effort to come back and get the ball. I would have loved to have seen him come back down the stem and get involved in that. He doesn't do that. So, again, I'm not trying to make up an excuse for Zach Wilson. I'm just saying, yeah, there was a lot of circumstances here that were an issue, right? And if you don't feel comfortable about it, especially early on in a football game, Again, check it down, take the sack, make a move, make Jawan mm-hmm. Bentley miss and scramble, whatever it is, but he'll learn that. That's part of being a rookie. And what did Jackson
3: do that some of these DBs, I can think of one earlier in the game or, or earlier in our show, didn't Locate turn around. Locate the ball,
2: right? Turn around and find I know, the ball. I know. That's where he's special. He locates the ball every time. He, he can Not be, all DBs can do that, though, right. where they can cover and stay with the guy and then still look at the ball, and that's where – you know he's next level, and then of course if the ball gets on his hands, the guy's got glue for hands. He catches it every time, and that that's really impressive as well.
3: So for Zach Wilson, and it's nice to hear that you, you're seeing a lot of positive things there. He goes from Carolina, yeah, to the Patriots. Now he plays right. the Broncos this
2: weekend. Oh, great, great. I mean, first off, Carolina and the Patriots are going to be top six, seven defenses in football when it's Denver all said too. and done. Denver is looking like it's going in that direction as well. No doubt about it. So there's no cupcakes he's playing here. Life is going to be hard. He should have played this game like he played week one. Damn, take my licks. It's going to be ugly. And then when we get towards the end of the game, I might have to, you know, step on the pedal a little bit and make some crazy throws. He just – he didn't right. do that in this game, and that's unfortunate. And I think
3: we have one more Zach play as well. Yeah, we'll show Let's it real quick. And here. it's
2: not going to be like – it's hard to show the full angle here, okay? I'm just going to let it go. This was – Two rookies being rookies. That's really what we got here more than anything. And, you know, hold on, you. All right. So let's just watch it play out one time. All right. You see Mm. that? I mean, come on. Yeah, that looks like, oh, my gosh, that's so easy. You know, everybody in the world's going, if I was playing corner there, I would have intercepted that pass. I mean, there's no problem. I got it. All right. So you see right here. Like, really what they were trying to do probably more than anything was just it's third and four. They They're probably trying to get this guy out in the flat and hopefully get a first down. But you can see Jalen Mills is here. He's got leverage, and he doesn't like it because he's going, damn, I'm going to throw it, and he's probably going to get hit as soon as he gets it. Who knows? Another disaster might happen, right? You can see Corey Davis. There's nothing here. On this play, with we got a, a, a Elijah Moore, this, the, the second-round pick from from the Jets, really – he makes the right read, Zach Wilson, as far as I got man-to-man more and he's running a corner route, all right? He's running a corner route. You know, when you have corner routes in the NFL and you get man-to-man, a lot of the times go, coaches will go, hey, we like that matchup. You know, if he can get on top of the corner, you know, you could throw it out there for him to go get it. Or, again, it goes back to the corner's usually not looking because he's chasing the guy, and you can kind of throw a back shoulder corner, and our guy can go get it. Now, where it really gets screwed up, and, again, I know the rules of this offense. Matt LaFleur came from Shanahan. There's a lot of West Coast rules. The ball's right here at, like, the 28-and-a-half-yard line. All right? The corner route in this offense should never be broken to the corner, okay? No less, not before 10 yards, not after 12 yards. That's kind of the rule of the offense. So we're talking about a guy that should break it right here, right around here, and then probably run to about the front pylon of of the end zone. And Zach Wilson could throw it out there and let him go get it, or again, maybe throw that back shoulder. Now, Zach Wilson makes a horrible mistake in throwing the ball, but Elijah Moore screws him in basically breaking it off at like eight yards. Mm. And – Why I say that is because, like, at this point, as we get to J.C. Jackson playing him, you know, you see, there's J.C. Jackson. Just look at that just a little bit. See, he's on the inside leverage there. He's going to be kind of pushing him out. Like, he's going to ride him on the inside of his body here, right? He's he's got a safety in the middle. He's going to ride him, and now as a receiver, the coaching point is straighten him up. Make him think you might run a seam or vertical to now where, okay, he might be leaning on you like this. I'm going to get in the position like this, leaning on you like this. But now you've gone straight, and now he's going to start running straight. And now you break to the corner, and you create separation that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? But since he breaks it off early, it plays into J.C. Jackson's hands, who's leaning on this way, and now he breaks that way. And J.C. Jackson's like, great, I'm already going that way. This is awesome. Yes. and (laughs) Thank you. So now, yeah, thank you. You made my life easier because now I don't really have to worry and I got the out-of-bounds there to help defend it. And within that, more screws Zach Wilson and then Zach Wilson compounds it with another mistake going, wait, it's man-to-man. I talked about this with Coach and we have this play called. We like throwing the corner route. Well, we don't like throwing the corner route, and I know you can't see the break here totally. We don't like throwing the corner route when – they break at eight yards. And as you see there, now he got too close to the sidelines in too much of a hurry. And Wilson tries to make the most spectacular, unbelievable throw ever. And you're just not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And especially, like we said, J.C. Jackson was already going that way. And what my point, again, and what I want to make is, I think we said the ball was at the 28-and-a-half-yard line. He should have been making the break here, right, right? He should have straight-stemmed him, maybe even leaned him in a little bit. And then he should be almost up up here more. It would be over there in that direction is where that ball should go. And because of the out-of-bounds and J.C. Jackson and two rookies executing this play, you could see there that uh, big trouble, little China on that one.
3: So we mentioned that they're playing the Broncos this weekend. Uh, Vic Fangio, like Bill Belichick, a cagey old defensive veteran. Definitely. Has a lot of good ideas. Definitely. Has a lot of good defensive backs. Oh, my gosh. Anything that they could watch from there and say, ooh, I I like what they did there against Zach Wilson, we're going to do that too.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think Fangio's got his own way of how he defends. They're a little different as far as, you know, it's it's a lot of 3-4 looks and that. But ultimately, you know, I'm trying to think if there's anything that jumps out to me more than anything – no, you're going to see a bunch of creative coverages take away your best option. You're going to see, oh, wait, it's a third and five down. we got the guys to play you man-to-man. We're not just going to let you pick a part of the zone. You're going to have to make, you know, a really good throw, and you're going to have to have your receiver really run the route the right way or we're going to be all over it. Sertan looks awesome so far. Mm. I mean, awesome. I mean, really does. Like, really impressive. Like, like um yeah, I should have made him the number two corner in the draft is what I'm thinking right now. I think I made him number three, so I was wrong about that to this point. But it's going to be tough sledding. And I go back to what Robert Sala said about Zach Wilson. He's got to play ugly. He's got to, like, it's not going to be pretty. You're young. The team's still figuring out its way. You know, but the defense hung in there last week. They, they did. can hung yeah. in, hang in there again. They're running the ball okay. And if Zach Wilson could just take care of the ball and make a play here and there, they're going to be a pain in the butt to deal with.
3: Okay, the Indianapolis Colts, got a couple of ways to look at what's happening there. Let's start with Carson Wentz. A tough loss for them. They're now 0-2 against the NFC West. They lost to Seattle. They lose to the Rams 27-24. Some some positives, though. I got a lot of good in the passing game when Carson was in there healthy. Let's start with this one. A 34-yard pass to Jack Doyle. Came in the fourth quarter. uh, Critical time of the game. They're down 24-21. This is a first and 15.
2: Yeah, all right. So this is cool. I mean, either way, I don't even – I'm just going to let it play first off. Let's just just watch it. They're going to motion Doyle across, right, toward the top of the screen. Okay, we'll let it go. Keep it going. Hurry up, Carson. Snap the ball. He's going to snap it eventually here. There we go. All right. And you're going to see, I mean, look at Doyle coming off the ball here. I mean, you can see right now they're kind of in trouble as far as, like, it doesn't look like there's anybody in the area to defend. All right. And they're playing – just as I show this, you can see they're playing quarters coverage. You see it? It's a short shell coverage, quarters coverage. There you go, right? All right, so you got that. And what they're trying to do is going to go post-corner really deep. And then this guy right here, because they want to go, wait, we're going to back this guy up. And mm-hmm. then as this guy runs to the corner, he's gotta, you know, he's going to be in between both of them. What's he going to do? We're going to make him choose. That's what they're really trying to do with the play right so you see there the corner went all the way with the outside receiver and jack doyle wide open right
3: textbook three level like maybe if we run somebody deep and run somebody in the flat maybe there'll be a hole there 15 to 18 yards downfield and this is it won't be any more open than that
2: no exactly right and you know your point about three level is exactly right you got this guy is the third level right i'm guessing the back went the wrong way there oops let me just rewind that one more time um, but that is the third level. It's that deep corner to the intermediate corner to the shallow cross is what you want done here ultimately. So, yes, you could see it. This is as easy as it gets in the yep. NFL, throwing to a guy with nobody in the screen. So, All right.
3: So then Jacob Eason comes into the game. Right. Same concept, uh, three level. And the Rams played it a lot differently. And Jacob, young Jacob, read it well, a lot Jacob differently. Well,
2: Jacob's going, too. wait, I just, so we just called this play. <laughs> this I saw easy. it on the tablet. And. This guy's going to be wide open. Yeah. They're going to have issues defending this, right? Well, this time it's a little different. They just line up in the formation. You see Doyle's right here, right? So he's there. There's no motion this time. And, again, you've got ultimately uh, – it's, it's still very similar. It's not the exact coverage. It's quarter, quarter, half. It's quarter, quarter. You right. can see this guy's going half and half. But the rules – don't really change. Sorry, I'm burping at the top of the screen here. All right? So let's let, it, let's let it play out. Let's see here. You can see. Now, the last time and the last time we saw this play, it was a little different alignment. We saw the corner be, like, right here, right? And he went with that guy right and that left him wide open right that that makes sense yeah. you got that we yeah. saw that the first time I know we didn't see the whole picture but you just got to trust me there now this time and this is what makes this freaking guy special not only is he a lockdown man-to-man corner not only does he tackle like a strong safety and take on blockers he's awesome in zone too he's just got an incredible instincts and feel for the game he really does and what, what I think is worth showing here, you know, first off, it is Jacob Eason. It's a really tough situation. You know, if I have one issue with him so far, and listen, listen, I can relate to this issue, he's got a really strong arm. He thinks he can fit the ball into every window ever. That was one of my problems. I always do I threw a ton of picks just doing stupid shit like this, all right? <laughs> so, but I just – got to pay attention to way how Jalen Ramsey right here at the top of the screen plays it. He kind of just like – he – Here's the deep corner, right? He kind of just scares you with a little body presence. But his eyes and his mind are going, I'm ready. to." If this guy goes out underneath me, if this Doyle guy goes out and I see him getting a load, I'm going to get this damn pick and it'll be game over, right? And let's play. I'm going to play in slow-mo. You can see Eason is already loading up. So I'm going to go back just a little, right? And here we go. I'm going to play it in slow-mo. That's too slow. Let me see. A little slow. But you see here, look, he's kind of scared him with body presence. And now it's easy pickings. Yeah. He throws it out there. I mean, really, he should have thrown the deep corner route here to Michael Pittman. I mean, any
3: of the, any of the other two options, the deep corner route, would have had to feather that one in there. But on yeah. second down, you can hit the flat as no, well.
2: No, you can hit the back here out of the backfield. You know, you got this guy coming underneath as a check down there were certainly better options. You're right. It's second down. You don't need to force it. And, and you just got in the game. So let's not try to win the game on your first play in the game or second play in the game. Right. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's Jalen Ramsey gives him a bastard look because right now he's kind of backpedaling. And it's like, oh, wait, I, I'm not going to be able to throw this, and that's Jalen Ramsey. He's not going to let me throw it deep, right? And as we see, Ramsey is just absolutely the man. I mean, he really is the man.
3: Okay, so he he sets up a rookie, and I was a clinic, and yeah. had a beta rookie into a, into a bad decision and pick it off. Yes. The challenge goes way up for Ramsey this weekend. One of the best matchups. That they play against the Buccaneers. Yeah. How would you use him? How would you deploy Jalen Ramsey against Tom oh. Brady's receivers yeah. and,
2: and tight ends? I hope Raheem Morris has something for them. You know, Raheem Morris, who – Was in Atlanta last year and did a lot of great things. Their defense was a pain in the butt towards the end of the year. He'll have some good feel for uh, the Tampa offense and what he does. You got to disguise, you know, you definitely got to do that. You got to give Brady some, some what we would call bastard indicators like, wait, you know, this looks like man to man. Oh, wait, they're playing zone. Or wait, this looks like zone and oh, it went to man to man. But I, Jalen Ramsey, you know, what I would do just in the breakdowns of the game. And you just got to figure out formations down in distance. I would definitely, and he's been doing this, they've been moving around a little bit in the nickel, outside, either way. I would have, like, okay, if the numbers say in the red zone, you know, on third downs, they throw to Gronk a lot, which it just seems like they do, right? right. I'm putting Jalen Ramsey on not? and I'm going to play the other seven guys to stop the other four eligibles. That's what I'm going to do. You know, in the middle of the field, hey, yeah, now maybe you match up with Mike Evans and go, hey, hey, Jalen, you got Mike Evans. Everybody else, we're going to play zone over here and screw with Tom over here, but we're going to leave J- Jalen on our, on an island. That's the greatness of Jalen Ramsey. That's what you can do, and I would think we see some of that this week for the Colts. If it is Jacob Eason, we don't know yet, but if yeah. it is Eason against the Titans this weekend, what kind of chance do you give Indy? Well, Titans defense has been all over the place. You know that. That's what I guess scares me a little. But just like Week One. You know, of course, we saw what they did against Arizona. Week two, it was better in the second half, as we discussed. But, yeah, they were still the big coverage miss-up for, like, a 60-yard touchdown. Uh, I do like the talent on the Colts' defense. I do. These are two teams with a lot of knowledge of each other. The biggest thing that just comes down to me, they can't put too much on Jacob Eason. They can't think that he's going to be able to run the offense to Carson Wentz's extent. And and also – what I would just say is they got to get back to like running the football a little bit. They can't protect the passer right now in, in Indianapolis. You can blame Carson Wentz all you want. The Rams, too many times in that game, just a, with four man rush, got to Carson Wentz like it was an all out blitz. Like the right side of the Colts line is compromising the rest of the offense. That's just plain and simple. So, they're going to have to do things not only to protect Eason, but protect those guys. And whether that's screens to the receivers, screens to the running backs, keeping extra guys in to block, they got to dabble that way. But I would say it's like, you know, be careful early. That's it. You got a young quarterback who thinks he's got the strongest arm in football, and that can get you in trouble and out of game in a hurry, too.
3: Thinking about the Colts and Carson Wentz, great time to bring in our friend Mike Ryan, former NFL athletic trainer with the Jacksonville Jaguars, also with the New York Giants, our currently NBC Sports Medicine analyst. Indianapolis quarterback Carson Wentz. I want to make sure I get this right, Mike. It's not ankle. It's multiple. It's, ankles. It's plural. plural. It's plural. ankles. Exactly. What can you add to uh, what you think is happening there with, with Carson Wentz and his injuries?
1: Uh, that that run in with Aaron Donald was, uh, didn't do him any favors. And it, it is both ankles. The the worst one appears to be the right one, which is the one he ca- caught onto Aaron when he was going down. And right. the big question with that is, and we'll find out soon, whether this is just a low ankle or whether it's a high ankle sprain. As you guys know, the high ankle sprain is a, is a real game changer when it comes to his ability to play this weekend and uh, in the next few weeks. So that's what everybody's kind of waiting to get a, a better idea on the ankle more right than left
2: but i I, like my gut and not that i'm as experienced as you but i've I've seen a few ankle injuries it looks like that right one the one you're talking about that seems to be more severe would be a high ankle no wouldn't you think it is just i know i don't want to make you be like a total doctor here and call your shot but it looks like it at least
1: (laughs) it does And, and the key with the high ankle sprain compared to the low ankle sprain is the high ankle sprain disrupts the membrane Um, above the ankle itself which is really it's an injury to the lower shin more than the ankle right and and the key there is the amount of rotation that happens and when you get that kind of rotation as you saw in Carson's right ankle uh, that rotation is a a pretty good indicator that it's as a higher incidence of of a high ankle sprain and and Carson doesn't have any history of any significant ankle sprains other than one he had I think in 2015 in college so there's not a history to look back on there but a high ankle sprain is obviously a big game changer.
3: But he also has the recent history of the ankle, the other ankle, where he missed a lot of time this summer because he just had surgery on that one too.
1: Yeah, and that was more of a foot injury. Remember he had this kind of a – there was a bone chip that he had in the forefoot itself, and they plucked it out. He was back practicing in three weeks and played in the starter week one three weeks later. So that was a quick turnaround. That should not be – it contributed to what happened here. And on that foot injury he had during the training camp was on the left of the lead leg. This, what appears to be the worst of the two ankles, is the right leg, which is his back leg, which you guys know as is, is former quarterbacks, is a, is a really important ankle when it comes to throwing.
2: It is. It's a, it's a push-off. I mean, that's where you lose your power to use your legs. I mean, it's, it's kind of what we talked about with Dak Prescott changing his motion back in training camp and all that because that that back leg. Last thing before we move on to the next quarterback, um, first off, I'm shocked it's not broken, really, the way that looked, Looks his bad. ankle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. other thing is, have you ever, like, how do you rehab a double ankle sprain? Like, I mean, it, like it, you usually have to, like, stand on one to repair the other and do that. Like, have you had experience with doubles double ankle sprains? I haven't. It's tough. And to answer your question, you got
1: to get them in there early and they stay late because it does <laughs> take a lot of time. Yeah. So w- with him, and we all know Carson, no one ever t- uh, questions his toughness and his ability and his focus on getting ready. So it's just... It's going to be a lot of work between him and the athletic trainers for the uh, the Colts. But really, kind of a big thing that comes down with this is there's so much time involved with kind of being off your feet are really limited. It really puts a big damper on his preparation, getting ready for the next game. So right. The, it's, there's a lot more mental reps now because he can't get the physical reps, uh, controlling the swelling, everything you have to do, the kind of footwork. Now he's going to change his shoes. And we not even talk about his ability to be mobile and change direction to protect himself when he gets on the field. When those guys come at him so if he's if he's more of a lame duck and not moving as well a, a, as you guys know well that's uh that doesn't make his job any easier
3: yeah no doubt mike and by the way big game coming up this weekend uh in division there against tennessee we'll see if carson is out there uh, let's move on to pittsburgh and ben roethlisberger it's unusual to be dealing with a quarterback with dual ankle injuries it's also very uh unusual to hear about a quarterback thrown with his right hand, has a left pectoral injury. Right. Where does your mind yeah. go when you hear 39-year-old right-handed quarterback trying to come back and play with a left pec injury?
1: Well, I think the first question the medical staff for the Steelers probably asked is, is this a strain, meaning a tearing of the muscle itself, or is it a contusion? Right. Watching the game and saw the hits that he took, most likely it's a contusion. And again, it's on the left pec, not his throwing shoulder. So it's more of a bruise, but you say, ah, it's the other arm. You're not throwing with that arm, but that follow through and the ability to initiate that throw uh, once that force starts upstairs has a lot to do with that left shoulder. So that that's a real limiting factor for him. And he's, you know, let's face, it, he's no gazelle to begin with, but that makes it a lot tougher for him to throw, move around, do what he has to. So you can label this and say it's a more of a pain tolerance. And you see, Coach Tomlin says, "Hey, we got to see. You. We hope he can play this weekend." But I think it comes down to him, his ability to kind of throw with accuracy, especially on the longer balls. So the shorter balls, he's a strong arm quarterback. Right. Uh, this should be something, if it truly is a bruise, it should be managed well. Um, it may be a last minute thing, but more likely this is something you probably could play with.
2: Yeah, I ain't a lot
1: of the injuries especially in the non-throwing arm.
2: Right, right. I know it's 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 interesting like first off like I mean yeah, you're throwing I'm lefty so you got to do the opposite, but yeah. to like what Mike's saying, yeah, short throws, you might not have to get the upper body to torque as much and all that. But okay, now I got to put some mustard on it. As anybody knows, you're going to get your shoulder to the target and then really rip that front shoulder pectoral out of the way to let your throwing arm come through in the follow through there to Mike's point there. So you feel you would feel better if it's the contusion though, over the first part of the, let's just say a true muscle strain or pull there, right? I I would.
1: And there's actually two pec muscles is the, the one you see on the outside and the deeper one. They both really affect the whole shoulder girdle. So yeah, I feel better if it was a contusion. And the other thing that comes into play here that most people don't think about is, with a chest injury, you're going to get bleeding, it's going to drain down, and the ribs are going to be sore as well, is the modern-day shoulder pads, as you guys know, when you put those on, you really have to cinch them tight because it bows the top of the shoulder pad to protect the top of the shoulder when they're taking the impact. So really cinching down on those tight rib belts on a shoulder pad is not doing those uh, that, that rib contusion or rib injury, or in this case, a pec injury, any favors.
2: Yeah, definitely not. And I'm with you. I mean, just watching the film back, he took some shots that were... Yeah. Big time in the game. And there was one in particular on a fourth down that I I tried to point out today on PFT that I thought this was the one where he takes just a helmet right to it. Uh, It's hard to tell either way, but um, yeah, we'll see if Big Ben can play.
3: Is it something that he could make worse? Like, Would you recommend that he sit it out or just like, hey, live with it. I think you'll be okay. Live with some pain and let's play through it.
1: Yeah, it's not one of those things you're really worried about it being really detrimental down the road, you know, especially if it's more of a bruise than a tear. If it's tearing off the bone, and you, you guys have probably seen a lot of the offensive linemen get those peck tears and you yeah. got to let them scar down. Uh, we had a really bad one with uh, Lawrence Taylor when I was with the Giants. You get those, you got to let it quiet down, even if it's the non throwing arm. So a tear makes it more concerning. If it's more of a bruise, it's pain management, control the swelling, control the edema. Um, other than taking a really bad shot on it as a quarterback, Uh, I I think the risk of re-injuring it, making that a lot worse, um, I I think is uh, pretty minimal. Yeah,
3: We're back to the ankle uh, on an AFC quarterback this time. It's it's Derek Carr with the Vegas Raiders. You saw what he did there in Pittsburgh. Unlike Carson Wentz, it's not two, it's one. But he stayed down for a while, played well afterward, but it looked to be a little bit more – it looked to be pretty severe. Uh, you, You could picture him still feeling that quite a bit this weekend, and he's listed as questionable.
1: Absolutely. And I think a big factor in this that probably came into play is that's the same ankle, the right ankle that he fractured back in 2016. That's right. So I've dislocated okay and fractured my ankle. and you take hits on that, it, uh, it, it wakes you up for sure. So I think that's some of the reason. And will that previous fr- fracture play into his favor? In a sense, maybe he may still have some hardware still in there from that injury uh, in that fracture where he had surgery that ended the season. So that may give that bone a little bit more stability itself. But kind of coming back to like we talked with Carson did this contribute as kind of a high ankle sprain? You saw that pile kind of roll into him and he yeah. kind of, he kind of went down slow and that you could have easily see that play into a knee injury as well. Right. Uh, you, you see that happen quite often. So kind of high ankle sprain, low ankle sprain. Did the ankle have a little extra play in it before uh, the great thing that gives you kind of peace in mind with Derek is the way he came back. They evaluate him in the sideline, the Raiders staff put a spat on it, which is taping over the shoe. And he's able to come back and play in the game. That's a pretty good indicator that, uh, you know, things are, are, are in a better scenario there, but, one thing I've learned is the true essence of a high ankle sprain doesn't come out to about 12 hours later. Yeah. So players are all geeked up. That was in the third quarter. He's going to get through another quarter. You know, it's a big game. He wants to play. He's playing well, wants to stay on a roll. Well, more than one time I'll, I'll have a player have an injury. You say, this may turn into something. i will give him a walking boot to take home. they say, I don't need this thing. Just leave it here. I said, no, trust me, take it. Nine times out of 10, when they come back in the athletic training (laughs) the next morning, they're wearing that same boot. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes tw- 12 hours later, you get a better feel. Is this really just a sprain of an ankle or we deal with a high ankle sprain? I think that's what the, the Raiders are going to figure out this week.
2: I, I, I could speak to that a little bit just in the fact that I've broken my ankle uh, and foot a few times and had one bad high ankle sprain. And I could tell you the high ankle sprain that's was probably say. the the worst thing I ever dealt with. I mean, it lingered for years, not just like that year. I felt like it it took me two years to where I could go on a basketball court and cut and go, oh, wait, I don't feel that anymore. So uh, it'll be interesting to say, but I think what you're saying is your educated guess with the way the game ended, how he looked, it sounds like you're betting he'll be able to play. You just see how how bad he is and can he move and, and really be the athlete he needs to be.
1: I would. I, I'm hoping some of that stayed down longer than expected. And you saw how quick the medical staff got out there at record speed. But the fact that he stayed down was probably the fear factor, understandably so, of the previous fracture of the same ankle. Thought a spat, came back and played. Um, I, I think that's a pretty good indication this is more of a, of a, a low-grade ankle sprain than something that might have a lot of downtime. But again, later in this week, I think when the injury reports start coming out, we're going to feel whether uh, that is the case. Yeah.
3: I have one more quick question on this one about Derek Carr. Would you treat that ankle differently knowing that there had been serious trauma in that space in recent years?
1: Yes, but the good news is you have a full op note and a surgery note to know exactly what happened before. You know, where was the damage? Was there any arthritis in certain areas? Where was the fracture located? So you have a lot more insight to that ankle because your surgeon has been in there already. But yeah, you would treat that a little bit differently because there's a pretty good chance he probably didn't gain full range of motion back so restoring that motion becomes a higher priority strength-wise. It's, it's not unusual to have that kind of an injury, as you probably know, Chris, from, from your injuries, is when you come back, that ankle actually ends up stronger with better balance, everything on that injured ankle because you focus on it so much. So right. that's why I said right up front, the previous injury that he had and the surgery and the extensive rehab may play into his favor in how they handle this, both from the player's perspective and the Raiders medical staff.
3: Let's go to Chicago, where at quarterback, Mike, the main story is that Justin Fields is getting the starts uh, coming up against Cleveland this weekend. But as long as we're talking injuries and medicine here with Andy Dalton, big worry that there was some major damage to the knee. It came out as just a bone bruise. And I say just a bone bruise. I don't want to say it's, it's no issue, but I put it on your plate. What exactly is a bone bruise to a quarterback at this age?
1: Well, bone bruises can be pretty bad. I've seen bone bruises that quiet down in two weeks. I've seen them last for a whole year. So bone bruises can be a real big deal. And a lot of times we get caught up and we have the, the MRI and the ACL is good. The meniscus is okay. How's the MCL? And we kind of forget about the bone thinking it's, you know, solid granite. But when you get bleeding into a bone, which is the definition of a bone bruise, um, it can linger for a long period of time. And we saw that play. It didn't look like much. Andy kind of changed direction. You see that knee buck a little bit. And the way it kind of buckles, you kind of compress the outside part of the knee joint. So when that happens, you kind of cling the shin bone on the, uh, the thigh bone, if you will. It becomes really painful. Again, it can take time to quiet itself down. The knee was stable. They felt good about that. So this really comes down to a pain tolerance. The fact that you know Andy's a quarterback and the mobility that he has, putting a brace on it can help take a little bit of pressure off that, that bone bruise beat on the inside of the knee, or the inside compartment, the outside of the knee. So I I think with that, it's it's time-wise, how does it quiet down, you know, maintain the quad strength. And sometimes with these bone bruises, Paul, you can get a lot of swelling in the knee. So now you're not only dealing with the injury, but you get a big puffy knee that quickly makes the leg weak. So uh, the the first few days of managing a bone bruise is critical, uh, whether this recovery is on the short track or on the long track.
2: I, I was shocked to hear that it was a bone bruise because like it was a non contact thing, right. so I was like, Wait, right. how do you br- br- you know get a bruise on your bone without anybody hitting you there, and you know that 's interesting to hear yeah, so yeah, yeah. I mean it's it, very easy
1: to happen it is it's, very easy it, to happen it, okay if if you look at the way it is you think of bone bruise as you know someone hitting you, and yeah. typically if you think of someone's hitting you, the trauma's on the bone but not on the joint surface gotcha. the issue here with the bone bruise understandably so here and most likely with Andy's case is the joint surfaces. You know, I got I got a model for everything. I <laughs>
2: love it. Love
1: it. <laughs> Here's your knee. So in his case, as he's going out of bounds, as he changes direction here, you're compressing one side of the joint while you're decompressing the other. So you're taking that shin bone and it slams down onto the, I'm sorry, the thigh bone slams down onto the shin bone and the contusion of that causes bleeding into the bone. So yeah, they can be really painful. And, and really, if you're left untreated, a bone bruise can actually develop into a full full fledged fracture. Say that three times. Wow. Yeah. So you got to really treat these carefully. They're probably going to go back and do more MRIs down the road to make sure that the edema or the swelling in the bone is subsiding. So this bone bruise is heading in the right direction, not the wrong direction. So, like I said early on, you got to be really careful with these. And sometimes you even put them in crutches just to take some of the weight off it, right? And, and give the body's ability to absorb that swelling and get the swelling out of the bone make the bone feel a lot better.
2: So it sounds like we're going to be seeing Justin Fields maybe for more than a one week, no matter what, is uh, just at least the the diagnosis and how you, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again,
1: bone bruises are really temperamental. It can be short-term or long-term. Typically speaking, the more conservative you treat it right up front, the quicker these things come back, you can't you can't just put your big boy pants on and try to hammer through a bone bruise. Right, uh, those tend to backfire.
2: Okay, that's good to know because that's kind of what I was yeah. thinking. Like, oh, you'll be able to yeah. suck it up. It's just a bruise on your who's bone. Yeah. Who's
3: who's the insensitive idiot at this set who said it's just a bone bruise? Is that you? <laughs> it probably is <was> me. <laughs> me. Actually, came from my side. I appreciate you taking the bullet. Good, for that you one. said it too. Good. Hey, we have we have one more. To a tongue of Tonga Valoa, we just found out, Mike, is out with fractured ribs. Uh, yes. And my question here is about ribs. First of all, ribs—it's such a nasty injury. Anybody who's had any kind of injury to the ribs, you can't breathe. Uh. Like, let alone if you have to sneeze, it, it brings tears. But quarterbacks yeah. play a lot with with rib injuries, whether they're they're cracked or bruised, uh, and it's amazing that they do that. Where is the line that that makes it where like trainers say, "Okay, this is going to be really painful, but we think you can play with it," and they draw that line and say, "Okay, it's fractured." You can't play. What is that difference?
1: Well, the, the first one is the player has to go out and protect himself. If, if he's so sore and doesn't have the mobility, he can't protect himself, regardless of what he's going to do with the football. That's the first step. You can't protect yourself, you're staying on the sideline. The other part when it comes to ribs is where are they broken? I mean, that hit on Tua was a big one. You saw he got slammed down. That could have very easily been a left shoulder, and him, obviously, Tua right. Tungavaiolo, being a left handed quarterback, he landed high onto the backside of that left shoulder. So, My first question is, where were the fractures? It could have easily been a high rib fracture, which is much more concerning and and, um, more painful, or was the fracture on the right side where the player himself actually landed, the defensive player landed on him? So the second thing is, where is the location of the fracture? And then the third thing is, how unstable is that fracture or fractures? If the fractures are real unstable, that's a real concern because we know what's right behind it, the all-important lungs. So you got to really protect those. So if it's an unstable fracture, you can put them on the shelf for a few weeks minimum because it's going to take time for that the stability of that fracture site. So there's a lot of different factors there. And you guys know the rotation with um, yeah. throwing in ribs is huge. I, I just kind of joke about it, say ribs only hurt when you breathe. <laughs> but the reality is anything you do with the ribs um, uh, it, it, on the field of averting someone, and like we talked earlier – with Big Ben is the tightening up of those shoulder pads to properly allow the shoulder pads to protect the shoulders and right. the shoulder girdle. You cinch tight uh, straps on a shoulder pad down on broken ribs. Uh, that's not yeah. a lot of fun.
2: Well, and you know, I think the, the point he makes that, that I think jumps out to me more than anything is the highness of the, like if it's high up there yes. and your arm of course is folding like yeah. up there. So there's a lot of stuff that's moving. I've had some like bone bruise or bruises in my, in my ribs before. Yeah, my right side, because I'm a lefty, I didn't really give a shit. But my mm-hmm. left side, yeah, if you got it up there towards the armpit, you know, yeah, that's where the slingshot, that's where your arm is kind of rotating. Yeah. And that can get really uncomfortable.
3: Yeah. And you think about exactly. so many of the other injuries, Mike, that there's motion and movement and exercises you can do to get that road back or to begin that road back to playing. With fractured ribs, if they're up high, what can an athletic trainer do to help?
1: one thing i found was a a real blessing when it comes to rehabbing something like this especially throwers is get them in the pool get them in the water get them deep uh, neck deep in the water so they could do some of the resistance of the water it's very consistent with the resistance they tend to stay a lot more mobile there so getting in the water doing hydrotherapy pool drills where you can kind of get that control get the motion work on the posture because the thing is you, you guys know better than i do is it's really important to keep that rotator cuff strong so when you get fractures with ribs with quarterbacks you get them in all kinds of contorted positions, get them on the table, do a lot of band work, manual resistance, because you can't get away from that rotator cuff, regardless whether they're going to be out for three days or three weeks. Right. So we talked earlier a couple of weeks ago about Dak Prescott and how that ankle may be affecting uh, what's going on with the shoulder and the rotator cuff. Uh, it's even probably more important here with Tua now that he's in the regular season is, yeah, you're treating the ribs. There's not a lot you can do for those. Time is your best your best friend when it comes to that. But you gotta maintain everything around those ribs, the rotator cuff, the core strength. So it really is gonna the the Miami Dolphins medical staff, and they got a great one, are gonna have to be creative in in keeping that rotator cuff, keeping the muscles, keeping his flexibility, working on body balance. All those things go into being a really good quarterback. So when the ribs are ready, the rest of the body's ready. Yeah, gotcha.
2: You the man, wow. Mike. You yes. are the man. Awesome I mean, stuff, I, I learn something new every time and uh man, any time we got like important injuries around the NFL, you are the guy we're going to call, Mike.
1: I always enjoy it. I love spending time with you guys.
2: Thanks, buddy. Be good. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, have a good rest of your week, Mike. Take care, guys. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Mike. NBC Sports Medicine Analyst. Oh, uh, yeah. Former the athletic man.
3: trainer in the NFL. Awesome. Awesome.
2: Uh, uh, little boy. Still, I, I love seeing Mike Ryan. I really
3: do. I used to do some work with the Jaguars in the preseason, right. with their uh, preseason games with Tony Baselli, and I got to know Mike a little bit. He's such a good guy. Like You get that feeling. What? Mike not only knows what he's doing, he just seems like a good dude. He is, a great dude. I had dude. back issues of my own a few years back, and I called him right away. Not only was he good, like, like the info, but the follow-up, he kept calling and like... Are they doing this? Make sure they're checking that. Make no sure doubt. you're doing this. No doubt. Uh, yes. Really,
2: really good guy. He is. He's cool. I, I've talked about like just like oh, I pulled my calf muscle back in the spring, and he like After called and texted me. He heard it on the show times. and like tell yeah. me, oh, be careful now. And he he gave me some things to do. So he is the man, and that's interesting. We'll see where it goes with these quarterbacks. Yeah. It's, uh, from the sound of that and just what we're seeing, I mean, we're not going to see Andy Dalton anytime soon. Right. We're not going to see Tua. I don't think, at least in the next week or two. I mean, I guess there's – depending on how high it is. Yeah. And then Carson Wentz, I would be shocked if we see him this week as well. Yeah. I, I think ultimately it just sounds like it's too hard to recover and get ready to play, but I don't know. He yeah. is a tough SOB, and maybe he can do it. I thought it was really enlightening, even though I was sitting
3: here feeling stupid about the bone bruise, because when I'm with when, when they test his knee, you're like, oh, there's no tear there's no, uh, oh, there's no structural damage. Right. Okay. Good. Go play. Best case scenario. Yeah. But, yeah. man, that sounded nasty. That
2: does sound nasty. I never even thought about it. I didn't even know the bone could really bleed right. that way. I was not aware of that. Right. But that's why I talk about football, and I'm not a doctor. And I
3: always have questions about the ribs. Because, I mean, is it just me, or do guys end up playing with bad ribs a lot? A
2: lot. They definitely do. Yes. Yeah. It's, just, it's just about playing them with your throat. I don't know if I – you know, a lot of the times – I, I guess what I'm trying to think about is throwing shoulder or throwing side ribs. Yeah. That's where I got to think about it a little. I, none that come to my mind, you know, certainly someone to the opposite ribs. But it all sounds. I mean, it, anybody it who's depends had on rib how thing, severe it is. It's yeah, terrible. It does. Yeah. So. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed. It's a good podcast. We hit it all. What the fuck happened Wednesday? Pauly B. Good to see you, you man. man. Thanks for dra- oh, good driving weekend. the ship, you as always. Yeah. Thanks for asking all the right questions, too. I love talking ball with you uh, Tomorrow got the PFT PM Chris Sims unbuttoned uh, podcast all the picks. collaboration How you doing all so the far picks. by the way first week was not so good i think last week i was pretty one good and One yeah i think i did i was good in my best bets last week 3 yeah. and 0 oh, 3 um. and 0 oh, so yeah could have made some money if you listened to me last week i don't know i'm just saying <laughs> so but you would have lost some money the week before, yes. But that You're is gambling. That the Chiefs gambling. are one one. Yeah, We're still pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's right. right. That's yeah. right. I'm, yeah, I'm Patrick Mahomes. That's right. That's just, let's just go there. That's the correlation. Right. I like it. But I hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope everybody learned something today. And again, keep sending in questions. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. We'll break down whatever play you want to talk about, as long as we got access to the film or the footage, and we can really teach it. Uh, be good. Enjoy the weekend. Check out the uh, podcast on Thursday, the Picks Podcast. Please do that. And thank you to Under Armour once again for sponsoring me and Tom Brady and Steph Curry. Because Thanks a lot. Because there's only one way. The only way is through, through. baby. Peace out, everybody. See you.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards.